Pharmacies have become the new front lines in the cultural clash over abortion in this nation. And Walgreens finds itself under fire. Plus, some good news. Christian films are setting records at the box office, but some Hollywood execs still aren't getting the message. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, today is a very special day because this is our first full video version of the podcast. So now we're available on both the the audio only version that you can get on Apple and Spotify and things like that. And now we're going to be on YouTube as well. How are you feeling about this? Well, great. Till YouTube decides they don't like our content. No, I'm just kidding. Don't but... even say that, Victoria. <laughs> Especially sorry. on the record. That's not fair. No, it'll be great. No, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. I'm sure, you know, you all will get to see um, great hair days and, you yeah. know, all those fun great things that come with, with the, with the headphones, headphones and, um, you know, and the fact that we recorded on our casual day. So I'm not going to dress up <laughs> just because we're doing Yeah, we're kind of mismatch. I'm still doing formal, but whatever. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to help us get the word out about our podcast, um, share the YouTube link with your friends. And that is youtube.com at the Family Foundation. And if you're already watching this on YouTube, just be sure to subscribe and hit the like button and share it with your friends. All right. Well, we've got some really serious topics to cover today, but plus the news has just felt really heavy lately. I mean, you've got these banks collapsing. You have this collision between a Russian jet and a U.S. drone, and then China's out there apparently brokering deals with Iran and Saudi Arabia. And I just felt like we needed to start with a little bit more lighthearted news today. And I think we can file what I'm about to share under the that time I should have done a Google search on it category. Um, but I don't know if, you know, just in case you missed this, um, there is news out of Newark, New Jersey, that the city officials apparently signed this sister city agreement with a Hindu nation. And they had this big signing ceremony and everything, except there was one little problem. The nation was fake. There was no <laughs> such nation as Kailasa, I think is what they were calling it. It looks like they got scanned. Yeah, this is pretty bad. I mean, I don't know whether to say this is just kind of sad or hilarious because I mean this is um so they even actually show like they even actually have footage of the supposed signing I guess of the agreement with this Hindu yeah. nation and so like it's actually being covered as if it's real yeah the city called it a regrettable incident but said they were still committed to fostering diversity so I don't know if they just got a little too excited about that whole diversity thing you have to wonder uh, if nobody even I mean if diversity if we're so in the name of diversity we don't even we can't question anything and I I was thinking about you know we we've had friends that have worked in the governor's office and people put forward resolutions yeah. on all sorts of things but there's a whole research arm that then goes and checks is this group legitimate what have they done in the past like I don't want to put our name on where's I mean I get that cities probably aren't at the same stature as a state but one government person doing a Google search somebody <laughs> needs to do some basic research I also sat there and thought this feels kind of indicative of like just the general laziness of news lately and general like it doesn't yeah. surprise me that people aren't doing basic research so anyway really sad very kind of hysterical though yeah all right now that we covered that diving right into today's topic uh, for the last several weeks now there has been a lot of really significant news on this chemical abortion issue, which, by the way, now accounts for more than half of all abortions in the United States. You know, to be exact, we're looking at 
54%. So um, that is really going to change this issue. I mean, really, that's the new front lines in this cultural clash over the sanctity of human life in the United States. And this latest battle is going to have a big impact on our nationwide pharmacy chains like Walgreens, like CVS, like Rite Aid, probably. So um, bring us up to speed on this, Victoria. Yeah. Um, so first of all, just as a basic sort of understanding, you know, the chemical abortion as approved by the FDA is a combination of two drugs. It's misopristol is how they say it, I think, and mifepristone. And those two in- together, one actually, unfortunately, kills the child and one expels it. And so there, there is a combination of things. And it's used, unfortunately, to take the life of this, this child in the womb. And so in the past, a woman could get this drug combination by going to a medical professional, right? So if we can call abortionists a medical professional, but um, they would actually have to go in person and, and have a conversation and get the medicine. And um, that's how the FDA had approved it. There were just kind of parameters, which is mm-hmm. not uncommon. And actually, there's something like 20,000 drugs and like 60 of them have like a toxic label on them and this one of these is in that category so it's a pretty one of them is a pretty serious drug so Mm -hmm. all that to say um during covid uh, they basically reduced the standards. They basically said you don't have to go in person because right, it was like telehealth. Ex- it was like an excuse to yeah. push it to telehealth. And all they said was, um, and and then basically the Biden administration has now made that permanent. And now you can just go to a pharmacy. The pharmacy has to be certified to be able to give the drugs, but yeah. you don't have to go to a doctor anymore to get it, which is disturbing. Yeah, I guess I guess you still have to get a prescription. Right. But the pharmacy can now give that prescription. Um, and Walgreens and CVS were among the first to announce plans that they were going to get certified to do this. Um, but then you have the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision throwing a big curveball into this whole thing. Because now, you know, you have several states that have very significant bans on most abortions, and they don't want pharmacies coming in and skirting those state laws. And a lot of states also have specific, uh, you know, restrictions on the chemical abortion thing. Um, So you had all of these um, attorneys general from a lot of these states come together and do this letter. They went to CVS and Walgreens and said, look, we don't want you ignoring our state laws and dispensing chemical abortion pills anyway. Yeah, this is a big deal. But it's also amazing to watch just the culture war play out because, of course, then you also have the other side, people, you know, AGs in the blue states trying to say, send the opposite messages to pharmacies. So we kind of have this this major, major clash. And at the end of the day, Walgreens actually stepped up and said, we're not going to distribute this in states where it would be considered violating the law. And so that was, I think, a good step in the right direction. We're just not going to be a part of that there. They're still, unfortunately, going to distribute them in places where it's legal. Yeah. So conservatives see this as a win, right, with Walgreens at least taking this kind of step back? or Absolutely. I mean, we do not need these pharmacies giving out this these drugs. And more than that, people forget pharmacies don't stock every drug. Every pharmacy does not have every drug. That's not weird. They can choose what they choose to stock and what they choose not to. So, yes, it's definitely a win. And we, I mean, you know, really, this is something we should be pushing pharmacies in general not to carry. Not Don't be a part of this. Yeah. Well, of course, the left did not want to lose this opportunity to provide some counter influence. So we have other people jumping in, particularly you had Governor Gavin Newsom. Always. Yeah, who announced he was ending a multi-million contract with Walgreens. I I think this had to do, if I remember correctly, um, that they were providing things for the the, uh, prison system. So that was a a huge contract. Um, And he sent out this tweet that said, quote, 
California won't be doing any business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk. What's your response to that? I am so tired of California trying to exert its only state authority, but try to control the rest of the country. They do this. I mean, he seems to, you know, he had the billboards in the other states, if you remember, on abortion. Mm -hmm. He just seems to try to use his state to get companies to do things in other states. And to me, that's just inappropriate. I mean, he's also running for president, most people think. So he's trying to make a national play here, too, which is just annoying. Yeah. And it seems a little unfair to Walgreens. I mean, so you're saying you're going to punish them if they don't agree to violate other states' laws? I'm not really sure I understand. Well, and we've just gotten into this thing where states are saying we will only do business with people, that entities that 100% do everything we want them to do. And they just keep putting yeah. more. And that's just a bad trend in general and that he's just making worse. Now, interestingly, it seems like we haven't heard anything from these other pharmacies that got the letters well, like would you say CBS. anything? I think well, I'd stay quiet. <laughs> well, we'd like them to take principled reactions. Yes. <laughs> so what should people be doing? Is it worth contacting like CVS and other pharmacies and saying how you would want them, um, the actions you want them to take? Or I think it's definitely worth that. I think it's looking into your own pharmacy because you don't have to, you know, there's a pharmacy on almost every corner around where I live. Mm -hmm. So there are many choices. And a lot of the independent pharmacies are actually where you're going to be able to find pharmacies resisting this political pressure, right? So the smaller locally owned pharmacies. Yeah. So I would encourage people to think about where they're going. And then, yeah, absolutely. I think we should be putting pressure on CVS and Walgreens and those kind yeah. of places not to be a part of this. Yeah, we haven't. I, I don't know what's happening with Walmart, but I'm kind of watching to see. Yeah, and that. a lot of the grocery yeah. stores have grocery pharmacies. Stores, yeah. And really, what the concern is that you're putting your employees in a position where all of a sudden they have to be part of distributing abortion. And they I mean, that's a lot of people that are now in the fray of this issue that weren't, you know, just within a couple years ago. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to keep talking about this and how it's moving into the court system. But first, I just want to throw out there, if you want more detailed information about these issues and how they affect Virginians, be sure to check out our website at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, like I said, this issue is not only playing out in the retail arena, but also in the court system. And right now there is this federal case that is very interesting because it has the potential uh, to result in a nationwide ban on really most of these chemical abortions, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. This case is basically calling into question whether these this protocol, this these drugs were rightly whether they went through the correct process, whether they've had enough research, whether they've actually been explored enough to have them on the open market like this. And so it's a pretty big deal. Was it a legitimate process? Or is it really safe for people? And so, um, yeah, we're we're kind of watching this real carefully. Yeah. And so this involves the Federal Drug, Drug Administration, Administration, right? That's yeah, FDA, the name of it, yeah. FDA. Yeah. And food, whether they did the right drug. approval process. Um, yeah, thanks for... Yeah, yeah, food and <laughs> drug. Go, go ahead. Um, but one of the real concerns I've seen thrown out there is that it was it was too accelerated um, because and, and apparently I've, I've seen this expressed that normally when you do an accelerated process for an approval of a drug like this, like you said, that might have some kind of um, some toxic elements um, that it has to do with some pretty ser uh, serious Diseases. diseases. You're trying like to fix something faster. HIV be cured. Yes. So, are we treating pregnancy like a disease in this approval process that happened? It is concerning. I, I I think it's absolutely concerning. So basically, that's what's at question here. And so, a few days ago, there was a hearing um, on this case. It's a case. Um, the the plaintiff. 
um, is the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, and it's they're up against the Food and Drug Administration. And so basically, it's uh, being carried by the Alliance Defending Freedom, and they are on behalf of a bunch of medical associations of folks who are saying, look, we care for these patients, and we're concerned that this is not part of good care. Um, and so they're suing the federal government for illegally approving chemical abortions for, and it's and it's both about women and about girls. There's a component of this that is, has this been appropriately tested for minors? And so that's a big part of this because it doesn't appear that there's really a, you know, most drugs, there's dosages, right? So like I have like children's Tylenol with like little tiny, you know, amounts for younger kids. It doesn't look like this was even considered that there are teen girls that are not fully through you know, all, all of the things to be taking a full dosage. So all of that is at play. And um, and really, we know that these chemical abortions, we do know that they have more complications than surgical abortions. We know that. That's they're important. only approved up till 70 days. So they're like a 10-week solution if you consider this a solution, right? I think this is the worst possible outcome. But it's only approved for 10 weeks. And there's a lot of risk already. And then the question is, when they use it beyond 10 weeks. Which we know happens. Which we know happens. And certainly more likely when you're doing mail order and all this, the way that we're distributing it. So that's that's what's at play here. All right. Well, you saw um, Governor Gavin Newsom's extremist <laughs> argument. Right. We see a similar response from the Biden administration, um, basically blaming everything on the so-called extremists. Let's just listen to the White House press sec uh, secretary talk about that. This is all a part of a continued effort by anti-abortion extremists who want to use this arcane law to impose a door, uh, backdoor ban on abortion. At the end of the day, it just seems like they're hiding behind this political lingo instead of addressing the real issue. You, you know, actually, it reminds me of Hillary Clinton talking about those right-wing extremists out there. We just keep resurrecting that, but we never address the real lives here, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the, there's an honest question here about do we know the risks? And think about this. Um, folks might not realize this, but we haven't been keeping good abortion data since, like, 2016. They, The actual most accurate abortion data comes from Guttmacher Institute, not federal government. It comes from a private entity that deals with abortion. So we don't actually know how many abortions there are. And when a woman, for example, takes a chemical abortion, let's say they, they get a chemical abortion mailed to them from California and they're in Florida, they show up in an ER. And this has always been the case. They show up, they're hemorrhaging. It's not listed as a complication of that drug. It's listed as hemorrhaging. That's how it goes to the insurance company. That's how it's filed. We actually don't know all the complications from this. And so it's deeply alarming that we have this situation. And that's just simply what the lawsuit is contending is we hardly even know how many abortions. So how many uh, risks per abortion is real hard to tell if you don't know how many total abortions. So it's just a big mess. And we're kind of gambling with women. So the data depends on self-reporting. Yes, abortions? correct. So, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, if you're doing mail order, that's not going to be accurate. Well, we've been trying in Virginia for years to get improved reporting data. They fight even information when we're in our General Assembly trying to force how many complications can we make sure that they're actually connected to the abortion process. Because women have always shown up in the ER with side effects of abortion, but they're not filed that way. Yeah. And I like the point you've made uh, elsewhere to me that if we don't have the right data, you can't really give women informed consent. That's a big right? part of the lawsuit. So there's uh, about a dozen uh, friend of the court briefs, you know, that different organizations file. And, and part of the point they're trying to make is you can't have informed consent. If we don't actually know the risks, what are you telling women? So how are they actually making their best decision, which all of medicine depends on a patient having an informed decision about the procedure that they are about to undergo? Yeah. 
Now, before we head into another topic, I do want to mention the judge in this case because he is very interesting. His name is Matthew Kazamark, and he's a Trump appointee. But not only that, he also worked for First Liberty as an attorney, and that's the group that defended Coach Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, I think it's a, a wonderful God thing that this happens to be the judge because at least we feel like he's coming from a, a, a good direction, a good understanding of the law. Um, but we know the pressure these Supreme Court justices were under, you know, especially during the whole Dobbs decision and all the people picketing at their house. So I'm just thinking we need to pray for this guy because yeah. this is a big decision. Decision. And a lot of folks say, apparently he said he would issue it quickly. So, I mean, maybe even by the time this airs, we have a decision. He really is intending to move quickly. Yeah. So that's just something we need to pray about. And also just an understanding that they could they could pull one of the two drugs completely off the market. They could also simply say young girls can't, you know, he could mm -hmm. decide, look, this isn't been tested for under 18. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways this could go. And we just really want to see, you know, abortion ended. And this is a huge, this is now like 50% of all abortions. In some states, they're thinking it's almost closer to 70%. Again, the numbers aren't perfect because it's about a self-reporting, yeah. but it's become a very frequent way that people administer abortion. You know, something strikes me when you talk about the chemical hormonal effect on young women that hasn't been appropriately studied. Doesn't that seem like that's a real just arena of almost war on our young women right now? I mean, you've got you've got what's happening with the gender surgeries and this. I mean, that there's just, a lot to navigate if you yeah. are a teen girl in this world because people are treating you like an adult. Your body is not yet adult. Body's and they're treating you like you're an adult, like you can make your best decisions, like you can take whatever drug anybody else can take. It's it's disappointing. And parents have to be just so protective of their teens and yeah. girls in particular. All right. Well, shifting gears into kind of a more positive good news story. <laughs> good. I'm glad we're going to talk about something happy. And on a more of an up note here, we wanted to talk about the amazing success that several Christian movies are having at the box office right now. Yeah, there's some really exciting things going on. Um, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit to one of them is The Chosen. Yeah. Um, I, I think everybody, I mean, a lot of the Christian audience has now seen at least an episode or two of The Chosen. But if you've seen a few, you probably kept going and saw they're, they're into season three, I think. And this has become, so it started out on an app. You actually literally downloaded an app from the people yeah, and I mean, that's how you could see it. Yeah. And now it's been so popular, it's moved to Netflix and it's actually become one of their best shows. So The Chosen Season 3 beat out New York Times Best Story Movie, She Said. So that's a pretty yeah. big deal. Like it's Yeah, it went Netflix, most popular, and then it went to the movie. I think yeah, Season so 3 they, have shown on yeah, the Yeah, so screen. they've been showing them at theaters. We actually, yeah. my family went and saw Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 3 at the theater. Right. And it was just, I just thought it would be fun to take the kids. And it, it's a great experience. I think people are looking for this, this kind of stuff. And then I think we have to mention... The next movie that's in the box. Wait, okay, you want to talk about point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned the New York Times-based movie. She, she said, "Is that that Me Too story?" I, I don't even follow. I mean, most I, movies, I just literally okay. I know it's not going to be something that's edifying, and I just sort I, of. I might get in trouble for this comment, but you could say that God said ultimately beat out. She said, <laughs> "I think it's really cheesy." That's cute. That's cute. Uh, yeah. All right. Go to All right. Jesus. So, so the other, so the other movie that I think everybody is talking about in the Christian circles right now is this Jesus Revolution. So here's a movie that is talking about the unbelievable revival that kind of happened in in the 70s in kind of the hippie world you know it's a very fascinating story but that movie actually 
it tripled expectations. So it has actually earned at least $30 million in the in its first two weekends or first two weeks. You know, they focus on the weekends because that's when everybody goes to theaters. But that's a big deal. And it came in third just behind Marvel's big new Ant-Man movie, which yeah. I, Marvel movies are popular in, in my house. Um, so that's a big deal. Yeah, it's got Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I think that helps having an the amazing... Lead, the guy that played Jesus in The Chosen. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I can think of other Christian movies that have done well at the theater. You know, I can only imagine. I think the uh, I think it was called American Underdog. Um, so there is this trend here, um, but still, some Hollywood execs are apparently still not getting the message because if you look at what's going on with Disney, this is supposed to be a company that's earned a brand name that's trusted among parents as something that's safe for their kids, and yet they have just kept pushing. Um, you know, this line with trying to push in sexual agendas. So that there's that going on at the same time. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, I think we've all followed some of the stories where they've taken beloved kid movies and they're really putting an agenda in them, right? So we had the, you know, what was the the Buzz Lightyear, so it's called Lightyear, you know, and yeah. it and it, it they put an agenda in that and it same sex kids. And we loved Toy Story. So it kind of yeah. like killed the the whole thing. I mean, many of us our kids had watched, you know, I think it's like 3 of them up until that one or something. So that's disappointing. And then there was Strange World, if you remember that, that was a Disney movie and it lost millions I mean, it tanked, but it was featuring the first um, openly LGBTQ plus teenage character, I guess, yeah. in Disney in a movie and mm -hmm. talked about his love interest or whatever. It tanked. People are looking for things that they want to put their children in front of. Well, you don't want to send your kid to be filled with a sexualized agenda when you're just trying to have wholesome entertainment for the family. You know, I, I can't I, see why they want to narrow their audience that way. I can't. I, it's amazing to me that they have to know that there's going to be a segment that does not want to go to movies where they're going to have to explain things to their children, where they're going to, you know, have to counter the message. Yeah. And they still are choosing to do that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, if you remember back during the whole DeSantis-Disney <laughs> conflict, um, there was this interesting video that was leaked that apparently showed uh, Disney officials talking openly right. about how they were purposely pushing these queer, um, and that's their word, LGBTQ agendas in there. Um, let's just listen to that clip. Let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this, like, I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But, like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Well, I would say it looks like that strategy didn't really play out very well because not only um, did they lose, I think it was like 2.4 million viewers off Disney Plus, but they've also apparently laid off like at least 7,000 workers. So like massive layoffs. So company not doing so well with this, you know, great strategy they came up with. Well, you may have heard that saying going around out there, woke or go broke. So maybe some people take that literally, but we hope they wake up and realize what's actually doing well at the box office with families. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, we've got yet another case of a leftist saying the quiet part out loud, except this time there was some accountability and he had to resign. 
Yeah, so this was the situation of a Democratic committee chairman up in Framingham, Massachusetts. Hopefully I'm saying that town correctly. And he's trying to convince his council to pass something called, it was a proclamation for the protection of reproductive rights, whatever that is. But he was, in, in trying to convince them, he actually said out loud, basically some version of, we can't let these kids with defects suck the money out of the public school. Yeah, actually be born oh, and then terrible. drain all the money out of our school system. Um, but we can hear what he had to say. Let's just play that. Our fear is that if an unqualified sonographer uh, misdiagnoses a heart defect, an organ defect, spina bifida, or an encephalopathic defect, that becomes a very local issue because our school budget will have to absorb the cost of a child in, in special education supplying lots and lots of special services to children uh, who were born with the defect. Well, on one hand, I'm relieved to hear about the tremendous backlash that he got over this comment almost instantaneously. Um, the committee, for example, the, from his own party that he was representing, um, actually disavowed and denounced what he said. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled to see that there was accountability because actually we've watched this play out in our own committee room and we actually had a senator make a comment that was like, look, they're so, these children are so expensive to the state of it. I was horrified. I saw it in person in our mm -hmm. own. And there was almost, I mean, obviously all the kids that came to testify that were disabled. I mean, the, mm -hmm. their families, it was shocking. But I felt like it was like ho-hum to the media standing there. I mean, it was never covered. So anyway, I'm glad to see that there's actually accountability. But what's great is that the disability groups spoke so loudly. I mean, they mm -hmm. came out quickly and, and aggressively saying this was inappropriate. And I thought one of the most powerful comments that was made came from um, this woman named Laura Green, who pointed out that the disability community is the only minority group that you can become a part of at any time. No one knows what their future holds, and at any point, you may find that you either have a child or you know something happens and you enter this. So it was a good reminder of the humility we need to have when we're dealing with these situations and in life with the difficulties and that everybody is a precious child of God. Yeah, and I think that's what's important about when the quiet part gets said out loud. It lifts the mask off the, the real worldview behind this, behind the whole abortion promotion agenda that really we don't view all human life as valuable. Worthy. Yeah, as valuable. Um, and so I just want to point out one thing that got lost in all this coverage is the fact that the city council actually went ahead and unanimously adopted this horrific proclamation, um, which I find really disturbing because it actually had language in it uh, basically attacking crisis pregnancy centers in their community. It, it actually accused them of um, doing things like using deceptive practices. Um, it pledged to make it easier for people to file complaints with their attorneys general, uh, with the attorney general office. Have you seen this kind of attack used against crisis pregnancy centers in other cities? Is this something that's happening? Or yeah, this is. I mean, it's very popular for the abortion industry to try to come into governments and basically try to um, shut down those that are helping women in need that aren't sending them to the abortion facility, right? Like it's literally almost a, we actually had a bill that did it and we had a legislator who basically said, isn't this the fox guarding the hen house? Like you're literally trying to, the one industry is trying to shut out its competitor yeah. in some sense because we're competing for life with the abortion industry. So yes, we have seen this. And honestly, the whole thing, the fact that that we just don't value the the most vulnerable and it's all about who benefits society and that, that coming out in this is, um, I guess, a productive conversation to be having, but it's just devastating that we even yeah. have people that still view life that way. Yeah. 
Well, that's why it's important that we speak up on the sanctity of life, of, of all human life. Um, but at least Michael Hugo, the gentleman that made this comment in the first place, he did end up apologizing, albeit maybe 10 days later. Um, he then resigned. That was a whole month later. Uh, but then he put out this statement that made you kind of wonder if he really got the point. Yeah. So <laughs> Right. So in his resignation letter, he wrote, quote, I have apologized profusely too many times, which, you know, is that really too many times to apologize for that? I don't know. But then he expresses this amazement that the story has gone literally international. And so he says basically something along the lines, I can't believe this is an, inter- an international story. Well, I can because there's valuable human beings that you've just said aren't worthy of life. Yeah. So even a month after the outcry, apparently he's still perplexed about what the problem really is. But uh, like I said, I guess it's just a sad reminder that we can't afford to stay silent expressing this connection between uh, human life, babies in the womb, the fact that God created human life. And we need to help uh, remind people around us why each human life at every stage needs to be protected, and we can't we can't just ignore it or act like it's not happening or it's not worthy speaking up or you know um, going to our city council meeting and saying something. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I guess this this means that this week's inconceivable award has to go to both Michael Hugo for saying horrible the you know that terrible thing yeah. out loud, what you shouldn't say and what you shouldn't believe, and for the Framingham City Council for actually voting for that horrible measure anyway. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and share that with your friends. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.